Proverbs chapter 2 this evening, beginning in verse 1. We're going to title the message this evening, The Pursuit of Wisdom. In verse 1, My son, if thou wilt receive my words and hide my commandments with thee, so that thou incline thine ear unto wisdom, and apply thy heart to understanding, yea, and if thou criest after knowledge, and liftest up thy voice for understanding, if thou seeketh her as silver, and searchest for her as for hid treasures, then shalt thou understand the fear of the Lord, and find the knowledge of God. For the Lord giveth wisdom, out of his mouth cometh knowledge and understanding. He layeth up sound wisdom for the righteous, for he is a buckler to them that walk uprightly. He keepeth the path of judgment, and preserveth the way of his saints. Then shalt thou understand righteousness and judgment and equity, yea, and every good path. Father, again tonight, we thank Thee for the privilege that You've given us to assemble together. Lord, we ask Your blessings to be upon the reading of Thy Word. Father, we ask tonight for Thy help as we look at this chapter. Lord, we just pray for understanding and leading and guidance by Thy Holy Spirit. For it's in Jesus Christ's name we pray. Amen. The pursuit of... Wisdom. This is our eighth message in the book, and we're going to have two messages in this chapter. Tonight we're going to cover verses 1 through 9. This chapter answers the question, where shall wisdom be found? Last week we considered the latter part of chapter 1, and we titled that The Last Laugh. And we're going to see here tonight things required to get wisdom. As a matter of fact, verses 1 through 9, we find that wisdom provides safety for those who seek it. And then in verses 10 through 22, wisdom provides deliverance to those who find it. We're going to see next week there is the deliverance from the evil man or evil men in verses 12 through 16 or through 15, and then in verse 16 through 22, there's deliverance from the strange woman or strange women, and so we'll be in those passages next Wednesday night. Now, in verses 1 through 9, wisdom provides a sure foundation for life. What we find here, we find some ifs and thens. We see here conditions and consequences. We have here the promise if the condition is fulfilled. And notice in verse 1, he said, My son, if thou will receive my words and hide my commandments in with thee. In verse 3, yea, and if thou criest after knowledge. Verse 4, if thou seeketh her as silver and searchest for her as for hid treasure. Now notice the thens. The consequences. He says in verse 5, Then shalt thou understand the fear of the Lord and find the knowledge of God. In verse 9, Then shalt thou understand righteousness and judgment and equity, yea, every good path. So as we come to this passage here, we see again the condition by the word if for, for obtaining wisdom. And then we see the consequences the promise that God gives to us with the word then. We see it twice. I mentioned to you Sunday 
I don't remember where Sunday morning is Sunday night. First Corinthians chapter 1 and verse 30, we find that there's things that we have in Jesus Christ. Not only redemption and sanctification and righteousness, but we have wisdom. There's a wisdom that God gives to us. And that tells me that we need to be saved from our own wisdom as well as we need to be saved from our own righteousness, for both are corrupt. Now, when you think that way, you'll really seek God's wisdom. If you realize that our righteousness is corrupt, our wisdom is corrupt also before we come to saving faith in the Lord. And again, I've mentioned to you several times already in this series and in other sermons in James 3, especially the latter part of that chapter, there is a heavenly wisdom and then there is a wisdom from below. Now notice in verse 1, he says, My son, if thou wilt receive my words and hide my commandments with thee. We find here again a father's concern for his son. And truth is more important than anything else in the world. Truth is more important than making a lot of money. I'd rather have my child or my grandchildren poor as dirt and go to heaven than to have them to gain the whole world and lose their own soul in hell. And so I never prayed for people to be, to have too much money because I see how that it can blind them. And there's a passage here in Proverbs that deals with that. I mentioned to you about a friend of mine that I hadn't seen in about 10 years. And when I, we did get together about five or six years ago, we we're catching up on things, you know, our life, what we're doing. Um, we're catching up on children and grandchildren. And I asked, how are your children doing, grown children, in their late 30s, 40s? And he began telling me, well, this one is um, makes this much money and they're, you know, they're over this crew and doing this and this one over here makes this much money. And I says, are they walking with the Lord? You know, and I said, that's the only thing that matters. It's not how much we gain here. I said, are they walking with the Lord? He just kind of dropped his head. Matthew chapter 6 and verse 21 says, For where your treasure is, there will your heart be also. Now, there's nothing wrong with money. We all have to have money to live. But when it comes to eternal things, I wouldn't trade the wisdom of God and the salvation of God and the righteousness of God for anything that this world has to offer. So he says here, My son, if thou will receive my words and hide my commandments with thee, and we're going to see this expression over and over. In chapter 1, verse 8, and also in verse um, 10, he mentions my son. In chapter 3, and verse 1, he said, My son, forget not my law, but let thine heart keep my commandments for length of days and long life and peace shall they add to thee. Let not mercy and truth forsake thee, bind them about thy neck, and write them upon the table of thine heart. So shalt thou find favor and good understanding in the sight of God and man. Again, we see this in chapter 4, 
verses 1 through 4, speaking to children, a father speaking to a son. In chapter 7, in verses 1 through 4, he says, My son, keep my words and lay up my commandments with thee. Keep my commandments and live in my law as the apple of thine eye. And we again, we see this over and over in the book of Proverbs. So he says here in chapter 2 and verse 1, he said, My son, if, there's that word, there's the condition, if, if thou will receive my words, to receive my words, in other words, it must be embraced. There must be a prepared heart in order to receive the word of God. In John chapter 17, verses 6 to 8, the Lord speaks to his disciples and he speaks to the Father about he had given them his word, and they have believed his word. In other words, they received his word, the apostles that followed him. Luke chapter 10, and in verse 39, Mary sat at the feet of Jesus and heard his word. First Thessalonians 2.13, they received the word not as men, but as from God. For Samuel fifteen twenty three, Samuel King not Samuel but King Saul rejected God's word. So we're to delight in his word and we're to meditate upon his word and think about it. Because he's promised us, he's made a promise here that if we will receive his words and hide his commandments in our heart and incline our ear unto wisdom, he's promised that he will give us that. In Matthew chapter 13, verses 4 through 9, and then in verses 18 through 23, the parable of the sower, the Lord being the sower, the seed being the word of God, and the ground representing the hearts of men and women. And you read through that thing closely, there's ground that is not prepared. It's either too hard, or got briars, and so forth, and he talks about, in one case, the devil coming and stealing and catching away the word because the heart, the ground has not been prepared. In another case, where that the deceitfulness of riches and the pleasure of this world, uh, because of that, that the seed cannot take root. But the fourth one that is mentioned there is that the ground has been prepared the heart has been prepared. We must prepare our, our hearts in order to receive the word of God. So he says, my son, if thou wilt receive my words and hide my commandments with thee. Hiding the commandments, Psalms 119 verse 11. Hiding the commandment of the Lord in the heart so that we will not sin against God. This is the law of God he's mentioning here. And then verse 2, he says in this passage, he says, So that thou incline thine ear unto wisdom, and apply thine heart to understanding. We know that in Isaiah 6 and verse 4, the Lord spoke, and, and Isaiah listened. He listened to the Lord, and uh, he humbled himself before the Lord. And he heard, literally heard in that chapter, in verse 4, verse 7, and verse 8, he heard the voice of God. And so he says, incline thy ear. That means to hearken. Why? Faith cometh by hearing, and hearing by the word. So we're to listen to God. And he also mentions the heart here. 
You can write down Romans chapter 10 and in verse 8. And the Apostle Paul writing to the church at Rome, uh, he makes this statement in that, in that passage. He said, But what saith it? The word is nigh thee, even in thy mouth and in thy heart. That is the word of faith which we preach. And then he begins in verse 10 about how to receive salvation. Verse 9, 10, 11, and 12. That if thou shalt confess with thy mouth the Lord Jesus, shall believe in thy heart that God has raised him from the dead, thou shalt be saved. But in verse 8, when he says the, the word is nigh thee, even in thy mouth and in thy heart, he's talking about uh, that the word of God is within our reach. That's what he's saying. The word of God is within everyone's reach if they want it. We've seen in chapter 1 weeks ago in verses 20 through 23 that wisdom crieth out. She uttereth her voice in the street. So it's available to all. Now notice with me as we come to verse uh, 3. In verse 3. Let's read verse 2 again. So that thou incline thine ear... That is, hearken unto wisdom, and apply thy heart to understanding. Yea, and if thou criest after knowledge, and liftest up thy voice for understanding, to cry after, to be anxious for this, as a drowning man would need air, we need the Word of God. First Peter 2 compares the milk of the Word and the baby that would cry out for the milk, and that's in verse 2 and 3, and would hunger and cry out for that, we're to cry out for wisdom. Then he said in verse 4, he said, If thou seeketh her as silver, and searchest for her as for hid treasure. Now think about this. Seeking her as silver, that includes work, sometimes hard work. And it's compared to the search for silver or hidden treasure. I'm told, I've, I've never confirmed this, but in California, Death Valley got its name from at least someone who died there for mining for gold. I've never looked that up. I, maybe I'm quoting that wrong. You've seen people take metal detectors. And I've seen people, I'm not saying this is wrong, but I've seen people spend hours in different places, and especially over here on the island, spend literally hours and just taking their time and, and soaking it all in and make sure they cover all the sand or wherever they're at to find something. I had a friend that would go over to the island, and he found some pretty interesting coins that's probably worth some money. And he would also, around here in Cody, and he would go to different places and, and I'm not criticizing that, but that's the way we need to come to the Scriptures. Not just run through it and read through it, but actually think about I'd rather see somebody read one, two, or three verses and meditate upon it all day than to read five chapters. You know, to really think through this. Uh, to seek for her. In verse 4, if thou seeketh her as silver... We've read about the gold rush in this country years ago. People would kill themselves. They'd spend everything. They'd sell everything they got to make that trip uh, to the West. And that's sort of what we see here. I'll tell you another example of this, too. Uh, 
the night before Black Friday, the newspaper comes out. I've seen there's probably more newspapers bought on that day than others. I've watched people. I'm not saying this is all wrong, but I've watched people sit down and go through their thing and marking, and they get up. They'll be up at 2 and 3 o'clock in the morning. Some will pitch a tent. And then if you were to be there, you liable to get trampled in the crowd and them going in to buy toilet paper and big TV screens and whatever. We need to have that kind of compassion when it comes to the Lord and His wisdom and His Word. I knew a man that used to dig for bottles, and he would try to find outhouses that's been, you know, the building may not be there, but find locations, downtown Mobile. And I've seen him stay all night digging in a toilet to get bottles. He made money. He made money off the bottles. He was in a bottle club and made money off that, but I've seen him spend just hours and hours and hours digging and digging. Being careful how they dig too and make sure they don't break anything. Well, if we could have that kind of compassion with God's wisdom. He says in verse 4, And if thou seeketh her as silver and searchest for her as for hid treasures, because this book is filled with treasures that'll help us in our life, that'll keep us safe, keep us out of trouble, keep us in His will, keep us um, uh, safely from the devil and from the evil men and the evil women and, uh, and uh, help us financially, help us in many, many ways. Now here's the first then. In other words, if we do this, here's the promise that God has made for us in verse 5. He said, Then shalt thou understand the fear of the Lord and find the knowledge of God. Then. The first result here in this chapter of getting wisdom from God is a new delight in God himself. And he says, he says here that uh, they shall understand the fear of the Lord. We already found out that in chapter 1 and verse 7, and also in chapter 8 and verse 13, that the fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge, but fools despise wisdom and instruction. So in the chapter, fear and knowledge are, com uh, are combined. These two things will cause godliness, and they will preserve us from temptation and give us guidance and security in our life. Let's look at this, verse 5. Then shall thou understand the fear of the Lord and find the knowledge of God. Then he says in verse 6, For the Lord giveth wisdom out of his mouth, cometh knowledge and understanding. He layeth up sound wisdom for the righteous. He is a buckler to them that walk uprightly. So we see here that in this chapter, fear and knowledge combined will bring about godliness and will preserve us in our walk with the Lord and give us guidance and give us security. And again, we're going to see next week two things that we need to be delivered from evil men and strange women. So he says here in verse 6 now, in verse 6, 
And by the way, the knowledge of God, you can write down Philippians 3.10, is to know God, not just about God, but it's to know God and to draw near unto Him. And in verse 6, he said, For the Lord giveth wisdom, out of His mouth cometh, un, cometh knowledge and understanding. So keep that in mind. The Lord gives us wisdom. He gives true heavenly wisdom. So let us go to Him to find this wisdom. You can write down a few verses. 1 Kings 3, 9. It was Solomon that went to the Lord. And he didn't go anywhere else. He went to the Lord and asked the Lord for wisdom. In 1 Corinthians chapter 2, verses 9 and 10, wisdom comes, yes, from God, from the Word of God, but also from the illumination of the Holy Spirit. And then in Colossians chapter 2 and verse 3, in Him dwelleth, in Christ dwelleth all the treasures of wisdom. And I'll read one passage to you in James chapter 1, beginning in verse 5. Now, this is another promise. He says, If any of you lack wisdom, let him ask of God that giveth to all men liberally, and unbraided braideth not, and it shall be given unto him. But let him ask in faith, nothing wavering, for he that wavereth is like a wave of the sea driven with the wind and tossed, for let not that man think that he shall receive anything of the Lord. A double-minded man is unstable in all his ways. Let the brother... Let me just stop reading there. So we have here the promise that God will give us wisdom if we ask for that wisdom in faith. He says that he would give it and that we not be double-minded, that we not be swayed from one thing to another. In other words, come to him in faith, trust in him, and he has promised that he will give us that wisdom. I love these promises, don't you? We love the promise of salvation, but also love the promise that God will walk with me through this life and keep me safe. So in verse 6, for the Lord giveth wisdom out of his mouth cometh knowledge and understanding. Comes out of his mouth, his word, he speaks to us. Every time we read his word, he is speaking to us. And then in verse 7, he says, And he layeth up sound wisdom for the righteous. He is a buckler to them that walk uprightly. So he gives sound wisdom to his people. Write down Titus 1.9 and Titus 2.1. We find that uh, sound wisdom, sound doctrine, this is something that is stable, that keeps us stable. It reminds me of in Matthew chapter 7, as the Lord Jesus closes what we refer to as the Sermon on the Mount. In Matthew 7, reading from verse 24 through 29, he says, Therefore, whosoever heareth these sayings of mine and doeth them, I will liken him, liken him rather unto a wise man which built his house on, upon a rock. And the rain descended, and the floods came, and the winds blew and beat upon that house, and it fell not, for it was founded upon a rock. And every man that heareth 
that heareth, uh, let me back up here, verse 20, and every man that heareth these sayings of mine and doeth them not. So keep coming back to the word of God, hearing the word of God, and not just hearing it, but doing it, receiving it, and doing it. He says, He shall be likened to a foolish man which built his house upon the sand, and the rain descended, and the floods came, and the winds blew, and beat upon the house, and it fell, and great was the fall of it. And it came to pass that when Jesus had ended these sayings, the people were astonished at his doctrine, for he taught them as one having authority and not as the scribes. So we have the wise man and the foolish man, and the wise man has a sure foundation, and the fool does not. Verse 8, he, he that keepeth the path, let me back up, he keepeth the path of judgment and preserveth the way of the saints. So we have here in this passage the safeguard, the road that we're traveling on, that God has promised that he would keep us on the right direction. As a matter of fact, in verse 7, he mentions the fact that he is a buckler to them that walk upright. That means a shield. As in Psalms 84 and verse 13, he is a shield. He is my defense. His wisdom keeps us from spoil and preserves us. Verse 8, he keepeth the pass of judgment and preserveth the way of his saints. Again, write down chapter 3 and verse 6. We'll be in that chapter in just a few weeks. And chapter 4 and in verse 11. And also Psalms 119.105. So this is our safeguard and to keep us on the right path. Now verse 9 in verse 9, he says, Then shalt thou understand righteousness and judgment and equity, yea, every good path. We have that word, then, again. So we see here the fruit of wisdom is discernment. And it's also godly character. So I can reject the world's philosophy and completely trust the Lord that I am walking on solid ground and I have a straight and narrow path that God has laid out for us. We see the insanity in this world. And so we're, we are saved. If we come to the Lord and walk in His wisdom, we're saved from the world's philosophy. And we can look around it. We look at it in the religious circles, the secular circles, the political circles, the educational institutions, and we see the insanity that is in our world. Now again, next week, let me read verse 12 and then drop down to verse 16. And next week, we're going to pick up what we are delivered from. He said in verse 12, "...to deliver thee from the way of the evil man and the man that speaketh forward things." And then in verse 16, to deliver thee from the strange woman, even from the stranger which flattereth with her words. Every young man will be tempted, will be tempted with evil men. Every young lady will too, will be tempted with evil men, as we read in chapter 1. And every young man will be tempted 
with the strange woman, the adulterous woman. And every young lady will be tempted with a strange man. And so the only way that we can truly walk as a young person or an older person is that we must have the wisdom of God. And I know we've been talking about wisdom a lot. We're actually going to find a whole chapter in chapter 8 dealing with wisdom. So God is, for some reason, he thinks that we need this, that we desperately need it, whether we're young or old. Would you stand with me? Heavenly Father, thank you tonight for thy word, the privilege to be able to come together, Lord, to sing the songs of Zion, fellowship with one another, and pray and look, look into your truth. And we just pray for your blessings on the remaining of the service, for the singing, the time of prayer, and every prayer request that will be lifted up here tonight. For it's in Jesus Christ's name, amen.